Accelerating Careers in Real Estate with Nick Carman. Brought to you by McDonald & Company. Welcome back to another episode of the Accelerating Careers in Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Nick Carman, and this evening I'm joined by my latest guest, who is Sobel Zarin Chang, Managing Director of Way of Life, a third-party management platform for the build-to-rent sector, part of the Long Harbour Group. Now, prior to joining Long Harbour, Sobel was the Director of Service Departments for Jones Lang and built 14 years of her career with Notting Hill Housing. But fascinatingly, she's not a real estate native. So I'm really looking forward to getting into this conversation. So Sogol, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Nick, for inviting me. Right then, should we get started? Do you want to tell us where chapter one begins? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question where the chapter one starts. So from my point of view, the chapter one starts from my upbringing and being encouraged by my parents and families to do my best. Uh, I always say that my father was the best motivator and a role model for me because he always pushed me to the limit saying, do your best and not settle for rest. So dream big. And if you are fishing, make sure you're fishing in a sea rather than a pond. I like that. I like that. Well, let's say, um, tell us how, uh, how that developed in terms of your, your either education or the early career. So I, um, I studied back at home, which is Iran. So I didn't study here the uh, you know, first few years of my um, you know, uh, childhood. Uh, I was born here when my dad was doing a, a PhD at Reading University. And then I went back home when I was about two years old. So my first few years been studying in Iran and, you know, the system there is completely different and you probably study about 15, 16 different uh, courses and topics uh, throughout your, you know, education. So the secondary school um, is also preparation for university and then you can study either maths as a base or sciences. So I studied maths for two years and then I switched to sciences. Now that I'm looking back on my early days, I've just, you know, realized that I always wanted to be a class uh, representative, either telling people off or shaping them or making a difference or, you know, saying how wonderful we are as a, you know, class. So I didn't know that was called uh, leadership because I was very young. I probably was around nine, 10 years old, but I always had this ambitions of leading the team. So that's how, you know, I think I've progressed in terms of, you know, always putting myself out, network with others and not shy away from doing any presentation as such. And then I went to university in Iran. I studied microbiology. So I finished my first degree and then I was always um, eager to do my master's degree outside of Iran. And that's where the opportunity came for me to, to join. And I studied at Reading University, studying food biotechnology. And then later on, I realized Reading is the place for a real estate. So I went to the right university, but I studied something <laughs> different, I will say, um, as well. I always think anyone who did study at Reading who didn't still um, study real estate must have felt like a real minority. To be honest. The, uh, it always uh, seems to be sort of its big, its 
the biggest sort of majority of turning out sort of uh, real estate grads. Yes. That... Uh, but yeah, please, please carry on. So I think, you know, while I was uh, studying, so I studied my master's degree and it was a year while I was uh, studying, I decided that I need to work. At that time, I was also married um, and I worked, uh, studied Monday to Friday and worked all Saturday and Sundays. And even when I was working at Boots, that wasn't just a job for me. I wanted to make sure I'm giving a hundred percent to the job, either providing a great customer service and just, you know, have some kind of a degree or acknowledgement of the hard works that I've done. So I ended up um, being a dispenser at Boots the Chemist. Uh, and one day of a, not the CEO, but the store manager came to me and said, Sogol, I would like to have a conversation with you. And I was just thinking, uh, what have I done? Uh, you know, I think I'm doing a very good job and I have my heads down. And to my surprise, he said that I have won the regional customer service award because I had a number of customers uh, doing a survey saying that, you know, they were very pleased with the service, which I was really pleased uh, to hear this. Um, you know, you, you don't expect to work Saturday and Sunday and win the regional customer service award, do you? Definitely not. Definitely not. So where did that lead us to? So... Um, when I finished my master's degree, I was actually at the end of finishing my master's degree and my husband was working for an IT company and they had this summer uh, barbecue and it was around the time that I was, you know, trying to find the opportunity that I can practice my interview skills and he just mentioned to me, why don't you come to other summer parties so you can meet a few of my colleagues, you can have fun. And I, despite me thinking, I really don't want to go, is this for me? I decided, why not? I will go and I will meet few people. So I ended up going to this summer party, having conversation with a number of people. And, and my husband mentioned that, you know, um, Sogol is finishing her education. She's, she likes to have some interview, you know, practices before she actually go and you know, apply for a job. And one of the managers there said, I can do that. And her name was Fiona. And Fiona said, I can do that for you, Sogol. Why don't you come to the office? And I remember it was Tuesday. So she said, come to the office uh, and you can practice your interview skills with me. So I was so excited thinking, oh my God, she's giving her time to me. I can practice something and I can be ready for my, uh, you know, job. Uh, or an interview for a job. So I went and I did an interview with her. She asked me a few questions. And then when I got home, I had a phone call from their HR uh, manager to say that uh, actually Fiona was very pleased with you, Sogol, and we have an opportunity as a quality engineer. Uh, would you like to apply? And I'm just thinking, I haven't finished my master's degree I have no clue about the IT sector, but it sounds interesting. And, you know, the, the name of the lady was Gloria. So Gloria just said, if you're interested, we can put you through a, a proper panel and they can interview you. If they are still happy, they can offer you the job. And I just said, I'm actually going away. I'm finishing my dissertation. I'm going away in about five days. And she said, that's fine. We can 
arrange a, a you know phone call interview for you which at those days it was unheard of you needed to be in and you need to be dressed mm-hmm. up to go for the interview so I did an interview with them and they came back and just said they really impressed with you although you studied food biotechnology but would you like to enter to the IT sector and at that time, I also had uh, this offer of doing a PhD. So Reading University offered me a PhD, um, you know, scholarship. And I was two-minded. Do I want to do PhD? Do I want to start working? What should be, you know, this the, the dilemma that you will have after you finish your, you know, master's degree? So after having conversation with my dad, he just said, do you want to be academic? I just said, probably not. And he said, then why do you want to do the PhD? You have an opportunity. You can start working. If they like you, they can sponsor you to do a PhD later on. And the rest was the history. I joined the company as a quality engineer. And I uh, remember four days, four weeks after I joined, uh, my manager was signed up to go to a, you know, a five-days course to learn about the ISO 9000 and ISO 9001 and the company wanted to be certified for it. Unfortunately, she got ill on on a day and, uh, uh, you know, my manager came to me and said that I cannot go. We paid a huge amount of money. Just go and learn from it. We're not expecting you to pass that course. It's quite intense. But have a go and try to enjoy yourself and there would be no expectation, but it's just a... We paid for it. Why not? You can go for it. So again, I find myself in a situation that I was not expecting to join an IT company and also go for this course. So I went and I did the course and it was an exam at the end of it. I must say it was a tough one. And you also had to do the role play and everything else. And I've passed the exam, which was a big tick mark uh, in my confidence to say that I can do it. So as soon as I came back, um, about three months later, an opportunity came and I was promoted uh, as well to be the lead quality engineer. And I ended up working with about 1,000 engineers across the globe. Uh, And I learned so much from that job in terms of, you know, management, interpersonal skill, when you're interviewing people, how you should approach them, you know, your leadership program, you know, and also working within, you know, different time zone, and that will give you a bit of a discipline. So from being no one in an IT company to being a quality engineer, then I ended up just being a project manager, senior project manager, and a program manager working closely with other CEO. And it was a, I worked for the IT company, it was called Lucent Technologies. So they had over 120,000 staff. But unfortunately, uh, back in 2001, the company was not doing well. Uh, and so this is very much the, the, the dot-com boom and bust, isn't it, around this time? Exactly, exactly that. Uh, and I think that they were going through some tough times and the decision was made that we should close off all the Europe side or majority of them and then be an American-based company. One thing I have to mention is that I joined um, Lucent Technology and I used to work in Malsbury, Swindon, 
And then there was an expat opportunity to go and live in Netherlands. So when we were going through those tough times, I was in Netherlands. Uh, I just had my first uh, child and it was a tough time and they had to make, uh, you know, difficult decision. And it was done in such a way that they couldn't even meet with people face to face. So it was a room one and room, uh, you know, two. And you were invited to either room one and room two and you didn't know what does it mean until you, you know, were just uh, welcome and just said, anyone in this room, you have lost your job or anyone in this room, you can keep your job. Um, so it was very difficult. Uh, and one thing I really liked about the organization, I, I must say, I learned so much by working for Lucent Technologies and it is a something that it built my, you know, base in terms of the management and leadership skills as well. But before they make everyone redundant, they gave everyone a book called Who Moved My Cheese? And we were just wondering, what is this book that they're giving us? Like, we're going through this massive redundancy and they're giving us this book to read. And, and that is called Who Moved My Cheese? And that was a very interesting and a relevant book um, after I've read it because it was all about the change. So if you think about who moved my cheese, it was a change and how you're able to deal with the change. So that was probably my chapter two. So, sorry, I, I interrupt now because you're doing something that I think I, I'm becoming quite accustomed to hearing to our guests you're making out like your story and the the progression that you've made at this really steep learning curve is a succession of very, very lucky events. Meeting someone to get some career advice, creating which which led then to a, a formal interview, someone going ill, you stepping in, promotion after promotion after promotion. But there is something about this, isn't there, that people like you, your your peers, people who are this sort of archetype for accelerating careers just have this habit of creating their own look you you see opportunities and you go for opportunities that most of us would never have have occurred to us so let's see if this trait carries on and then uh, at the end of it we'll spend a bit of time sort of talking about exactly sort of how you evaluate these opportunities so please don't um, interrupt anymore carry on tell me tell us what happens in chapter three so you obviously, uh, you're a mom and you've been made redundant. You're living in a different country. You don't know where to start. And I must say that, you know, Lucent Technologies gave us lots of advice. They actually allocated a consultant to work with us and find us a job. And we, we were just trying to, you know, figuring out what should we do. I was 100% sure that I don't want to retire at that age. I knew I can handle everything, it's just a blip and I just need to find the next chapter of my life. And that was the time that I started looking for a job. My husband was just thinking, well, we don't want to stay in Netherlands anymore. We can go back to London. He also uh, found a job in London. We both came back to London and I started looking and I was just thinking, what do I really like? What do I really enjoy? And I just remember my dad telling me, like, you like everything so good. You just want to make it your own. 
And that just stick with me, you know, for a long, long time. So I started looking at job opportunities. And let's face it, Nick, I applied for a number of roles. Uh, and I was just thinking, why am I not getting any feedback? Or people are very rude and they're not even sending me a rejection letter. Which later on, my husband confessed that uh, actually it was me because you were getting lots of rejection letters. I didn't want that to impact your motivation. So I was just <laughs> hiding the letters uh, and you were thinking, oh, I, these people are not responding. I'm wondering what's happening. And I couldn't say that it's me who's hiding the letters. Uh, so it was, he didn't mention it during the time I was looking <laughs> for a job, but I found it actually, you know, maybe if I was getting that many rejection, I would have been upset and maybe on a hindsight, he did a good job. So I came up, um, I was just looking at the evening standard one night and I opened the evening standard and it was just, they had a section for, you know, jobs. And it was a massive ad saying Notting Hill is looking to recruit. And one of the jobs were collection manager. And I just thinking, Sogol, you studied food biotechnology, you went to the IT and what do you know about real estate and a housing association? And I can assure you, I didn't know anything about uh, Notting Hill or housing association. So anyway, I was brave enough to put my CV and application through. I had a call to say a, a letter this time. Nobody hide it to say I've been invited for an interview and I should go to Notting Hill. Their office was in Hammersmith and apply for the job. So as soon as I arrived, I just thinking, where am I? Did, am I going to do well? What am I going to say? But one thing I can say, Nick, is that I was always passionate about looking at the, anything to do with the property, either buying properties under auction or a design programs, knocking the walls, and how you can make savings, how you can gain efficiency. And I thought, maybe I can say something about that, and they will buy my story. So as soon as I arrived, the lady said, thank you very much. Uh, you now need to complete a financial spreadsheet and then there will be a presentation. So they put me in this room and I'm just thinking, surely that wasn't part of the interview process, but I have two choices. Either I sit here and make up something or I just say thank you very much and I leave. So I've sat down and I start putting that financial spreadsheet. It was talking about... Uh, you know, we have this number of properties, how we can gain efficiency, where we're going to spend our money. And it was talk about the repair and maintenance and all of these things. And as soon as I finished, I went to the room, which there were three people sitting, one from finance, one was going to be my future manager, and the other one was a, a senior member of the team. So I went through my presentation and I explained everything and I left feeling, I think I've done a reasonable job. Let's see what will come out of this. So two days later, I've got a call to say uh, I've been brilliant, but they had an internal candidate and following a careful consideration, they have decided to give that job to the ex internal candidate, but they have an opening for another role. And that role is lower salary grade 
and they wanted to know if I'm interested. <laughs> Just the first question I ask is that, do I need to go through another interview process? <laughs> <laughs> and they just said, no, we think you've done enough and you're definitely qualified for this role. Uh, if you like to go for this role, you can come and have a you know meeting and a, a brief interview with your manager. And who was going to be my manager? The person that I applied for the job uh, for. So they appointed the in-house manager i went and i've met with this individual and i got the job which again it was one of those scenarios nick i call it like a sliding door i don't know if you've seen the movie but it's like if i get on a train or if not what's gonna happen to me but deep down i knew i can do it even if i take an officer role i could see in myself that i can push myself i can learn and it will be just a matter of time to get to the manager and hopefully you know, a higher position within the organization. And it was such an amazing, you know, opportunity for me. I got to know so many people, learn about real estate, how things are coming together. And you mentioned about the luck. And I think I've been very lucky to meet the right people that their heart was in, you know, teaching me and making something out of me rather than saying, but who is she? She doesn't know anything do we need to spend time on her? And my, you know, um, appreciation, the way of showing my appreciation was to be hungry and learn from it. So I ended up working for Notting Hill for 14 years and doing 18 different roles. And I went from an officer to a manager, to a senior manager, to becoming a business leader, which was then reporting to the board and the CEO. Now, I just wanted to interrupt now, so because I um I got to talk to someone who knew you quite well from this time. I just wanted to introduce something they they said. So this is what they said. One of Sogol's greatest qualities is that she will take on new challenges without fear. She did this on a number of occasions over the 14 years when she worked with me, taking on difficult or failing projects, working tirelessly to turn them around into success stories. So I'm going to ask you a question in a moment about uh, about that. But I def- there is something, is good, there's been a golden thread throughout your career up until this point, whereby you seem to see a fire and then you run towards it. So, you know, the, you you told this story about this someone sort of, you know, your conscience being sat on your, your shoulder telling you about all the reasons you shouldn't apply for this job because you don't know anything <laughs> about it. You've got no experience. You've got none of the qualifications, but you still go ahead to do it. So... What I wanted to ask is, you know, where does that mentality come from? Where does this sort of see a fire and run towards it come from? <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's interesting, but I think I've, I honestly think it was my father telling me that this is what you should do. Never be afraid, apply, and either you succeed or you will fail. If you fail, don't worry about it. You definitely learn a big lesson from it and you will not repeat it again. So I think that's where the mentality comes from. And I always like to think about anything that I do, I give my 120% attention to it and try to help others to see that side as well, to just think that you don't have to be perfect to apply for something. And and this is something I see majority of the time when I'm having conversation with people that I'm mentoring, they say, I don't think I'm good enough or I don't think I can do it or I'm not very strong on reporting. And I just say, change your mentality. 
be positive. I mean, if you're positive, you enter the room thinking you're the best, you know, more than anyone else. But if you have that doubt in your mind, you will not be able to give your 100% and that doubt will show during the interview process. Good advice. Good advice. So, so next question, 14 years at Notting Hill, what was it that made you leave? I guess it was just the time that, you know, when you ask yourself, can I add any more value, uh, not only to the business, but to myself? And what am I doing with my career progression? And, you know, you know, planning your next stage. And after 14 years, which I'm very grateful of, and I had you know, number of exposures to different projects, I reached in my mind, my ceiling. And I looked around and I just said, I'm a business leader. The next step for me is to be a board member. And I, when I looked at the board member, I just said, they're all settled. They're in mid fifties. Doesn't seem like that anybody's moving anywhere. And he so I was in that mindset until somebody knocked my door and through my networking and getting to know people outside of Notting Hill to say, can we have a coffee? And that's where my next chapter of life has started with JLL. Well, don't leave us hanging. So let's say, uh, let's get into it. <laughs> so um, I, as you know, as I, I love networking, so I create opportunities, as you mentioned, uh, for myself to meet other people, understanding about their projects. And I put my name down to be part of the Build to Rent Committee, which was run by JLL. It was early stages. I went to this committee and I had a, a phone call after that to say, so good, we would like to have a coffee with you. And I was delighted that oh, I went to JLL and somebody wants to talk to me. So my PA said, Sogol, uh, they asked for a coffee. Now they changed it to lunch and they asked if the lunch can be one and a half hours. And I laughed when I was leaving and I said, uh, Katie, if the lunch is now one and a half hours, it bound to be the interview. Not making any, just making a joke out of it and yep. not thinking of anything. So I went and had a conversation and after I left, they just said, we are thinking about setting up a service apartment division. Uh, you've got some skills and knowledge and expertise that we think the organization will you know, benefit from. We are looking at putting a raw profile together and inviting people for an interview. Would you be interested or not? And it was that moment that I looked and I said, maybe I should move uh, and this is the right time and this opportunity might not come Again, So I had a conversation with my finance director, Paul, which was fantastic, Andy as well. And I said, I've been, you know, I went for a lunch and this opportunity is coming. There might be an interview process. What do you think? And they both said, we, how can we keep you? How can we do things for you? And I just said, I don't know. It's not Apple with, like, I'm not comparing Apple with Apple. I'm comparing Apple with Pear here. So they were really motivated me despite being, you know, not 100% sure what they're going to do when I leave the business. Mm -hmm. But they really encouraged me to go and at least have that conversation and go through the interview. And I went through the interview 
not knowing anything about JLL, I must say it as well, and what I should anticipate, to being offered a position uh, to me, which I came back to Notting Hill. They were obviously, there was a, shall I say, a mixed emotions uh, of sad to see me going, but very happy for me that I've made it to the next chapter of my life. So they've been very supportive and I moved on after 14 years that, as you can imagine, it was a scary move. You know everyone and you're just moving to a different world uh, as well. So that's how my career at the JLL started as a director of service apartment, which was a new division between hospitality and a residential sector. Now, compared to, to Notting Hill, this was a quite a short period in your uh, in your career, wasn't it? So tell us a little bit more about sort of maybe what you learned during this this period uh, and how it served as a catalyst then for what came next. Yeah, sure. So yes, uh, I stayed at JLL for one year and I my role was completely different to what I used to do for 14 years. So my role at Notting Hill was, you know, operational and this role was more advisory role, which I liked it very much. And I, I had the best time of my life. I could just log out on Friday, not worrying about anything till Monday, which when you're operational, that's not the case. Anything can happen and you need to be proactive and react on the situation. But I guess it was like about eight to nine months to the job. I felt that I'm missing my operational hat. I can give advice to people and I have no problem with it, but I really like to know where that project is going. And I couldn't, it was just the end of that. So when did when did the opportunity occur then with Way of Life? So it was around that time that I had this open conversation with the executives at uh, JLL and they were all saying, so what can we provide? What kind of opportunity we can uh, provide for you? That, you know, another big firm knocked my door and just say, uh, we are looking to appoint an operational director. Would you like to come for the interview process, which I was, you know, very happy just thinking and, and, and you know, thinking, well, I'm not enjoying this in terms of not, not having my operational hat, but there is an opportunity and there is someone out there who's interested in my skills and experience. So I went for an informal conversation before I make any discussion. And I think that's something that I like to advise your audience as well, is that if you're not too sure don't put your name, um, you know, in the hat. Just try to have that informal conversation and get to know about the job uh, before you apply for it because you're not going to put them in a difficult situation and you don't put yourself in an awkward position as well. So I went for an informal conversation and I liked the sound of the job, uh, but it was a big firm. It was a corporate firm and, you know, not mentioning the name, but they were well established. They had a number of portfolio and they needed to bring an operational director on board. And I was happy. I went for the interview and um, I signed, you know, almost signed the contract, gave all my qualification to them. And it was around this time that the headhunter also knocked my door and just say, um, we had a conversation with a company called Long Harbor. They want to set up their own management platform. Uh, we have a number of candidates, but we think you're the right candidate. <laughs> uh, 
And I was just thinking, what's happening to me now? Like I have one opportunity right there and we are ready to go. And we've got another conversation going on. So I just said, I was very open to the um, recruiter or a headhunter, just say, I have another opportunity and I think I'm almost signed onto it. And they convinced me, just have a conversation with these people before you just, you know, start your next chapter of life. So I had an um, interview with the CEO and CEO, and they, it was Thursday, I remember it. Even the CEO remembered uh, the date. So I went in on Thursday, did the interview, had a good feeling, and they told me, listen, you're not going to hear from us till Monday. Um, I said, absolutely fine, as long as you're clear about my position because I have another job and it's unfair to, you know, not give them the final answer on that. Then uh, they, they told me, you're not going to hear from us till Monday. I got to Waterloo Station uh, from Bond Street and I had an immediate call from a recruiter just saying they really like you and they want to see you again tomorrow. And I just said, but they said they don't want to see me till Monday. They just said, no, come back. Go back and there are two other executives who wants to interview. So I went to the, another interview and I honestly, Nick, told them, I didn't say this is my CV and this is my application or this is my expertise. I actually took them through my story and I just said, this is my story. What's your story? And again, I had another conversation, another interview. So I had three rounds of interviews thinking, are you going to give me the job or not? Uh, uh, but I was very excited about the, the prospect of this job because they just had the brand called Way of Life. They didn't have anything in place. They had two staff members and I was going to lead. And they had few stocks, which was uh, managed by a third party. And they were in the middle of construction for two sites. So that aspect really ticked my box. And I think, Nick, you mentioned about like, not running away from fire and actually running towards fire. That was another moment in my career. And I accepted the um, position with no regret. And now I have, you know, instead of, you know, less than 400 apartments under management, I've now got 1,500 apartments under management in charge of 24 million revenue and we grow the staff members from being myself and two other staff members to over 55 staff members and you know being recognized in the industry as a top three national management firm and we achieve so much in relation to positioning of ourselves brand technology and bringing talented and passionate people on board so so I got a chance then to talk to someone who's worked very, very closely with you now in your most recent part of your career. And I asked them a question about sort of what they thought you do particularly well. And this is what they said. Sogol's leadership and people management skills are incomparable. Sogol has fostered an open, trusting and supportive culture within the business. Now, that's that's really nice to hear. And I think that's what lots of people would like to emulate. But I did. I wanted to ask you a slightly barbed question, if I could. <laughs> I suspect that's that's very easy to maintain when things are going to plan. But how do you or do you need to change that 
when it's not going to plan, when you're up against it? So it's a very good question, Nick. And I think, as you said, it's so easy to uh, stay calm, be happy, and um, when things are going, you know, according to the plan. And the trick is that how do you maintain that, what I call your personality and character when the teams are going through tough times and you need to make tough decisions too. So my word of advice, or this is how I deal with it, is that I always say this is momentary and it will pass. You need to work as a team to come up with a solution and you don't have all the answers and making sure that you have a buy-in from your team. So they are there for you each time you need it. And I had numbers of examples in my career that we had a difficult time, but we turned around that ship. I call it Titanic ship. And, you know, you need to manage it really tight to be able to make a difference. So when the times are tough, I think as a leader, you should stay strong for your team. They should know that you're there no matter what. And there are lessons learned from anything um, that, you know, you, you go through. And there was a quote from someone recently to say that, you know, a, a complaint, any complaint got the opportunity to be turned to a compliment. And I really like that. And I just said, this is the operational um, challenges that we're facing on a day-to-day basis. And I always feel that the leaders that they separate themselves from the team or they have a blaming culture, those are the ones who are not going to survive on a long term. Well, so in a moment, we're going to have to sort of uh, to wrap up. But I definitely wanted to ask you another question before we did. And it, this is going this is going back then to your sort of your your firefighting sort of um, uh, nature. For someone who has sort of sought out really big learning events, really big challenges. What's your next next biggest challenge or next biggest learning? So I think that if I look at the real estate and specifically at build to rent, I think there is a lot to learn, digest and tweak. And that makes me still excited to be, you know, on board of number of committees and making a difference to UKAA in terms of their HR committee, operational committee and benchmark committee as well. So I think that is definitely something that I enjoy, which is outside of the way of life. The other big challenge for us is that we've now launched our third party management. I am sure there are lots of challenges, but I will not shy away from it. And I want to make sure that we have the opportunity to not only manage the stock for Long Harbour, but also for other third-party management. The question of have I reached a, you know, a stage in my career to think that this is time for me to retire? Definitely not. But I think that I can start giving more advice and supporting young generation that they are at the beginning of their career studied real estate or not studying real estate from a very privileged background or not so much and just trying to keep them motivated and inspire them to the real estate and then make a difference to people that we're serving and those are all the residents and all the potential customers in terms of 
of our communication, level of service, and also growing my staff. That is something, Nick, that I, uh, I've been committed from day one when I started my job, is that um, I want people to feel that they've got an opportunity to grow within the organization. I want them to take risks and, you know, come and see me to say, I like to be this person and I help them and I shape them. And that's something that I'm also doing with the Crew UK. And I have about 30 mentors that I, you know, give my breakfast and lunch hours away to, to help them. Some are at the early stage of their career and some are at the towards their, you know, senior leadership uh, plan. And the first question they asked me, Nick, is how can we deal with this type of character? How can we deal with this situation? What did you learn? How can we learn from you? And it's just be open and honest and say sometimes you get it wrong and that's fine. And you can learn from it, pick yourself up uh, and, you know, move on to the next chapter. Well, on that really, really positive sort of note, so um, uh, I think this gives us a good chance then to, to wrap up. Thank you so much for sharing not only those stories, but obviously this insatiable sort of appetite <laughs> you've got for, for challenge and for learning. And there's obviously a huge amount we could all learn from that. Uh, and I think it's been really, really inspiring. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Nick, for having me. And I think the last word that I would like to say to everyone is just be determined be loyal and dedicated to anything that you do and try to make a difference to people's life. Either they're your customers or your staff, they are really looking up to you and they want to learn from you. Thank you. Thank you.